0: Welcome to the SDR Disco Call Vidcast and Podcast, a show designed for brand new sales reps working in the world of tech sales. I'm your host, Neil Buyan, and I'm going to be taking you on a journey on the SDR Disco Call Vidcast and Podcast. Did you know that you can watch this show live with the guests on YouTube? This show is available on YouTube at happyselling.io. Hello listeners, watchers and subscribers, welcome to another chapter, another edition of the SDR Disco Call Show. If this is your first time joining or you've stumbled across a show by accident because you're scrolling up when you should be working, this show is all about helping sales development reps from around the world working in tech sales. And my role is to find really cool people to bring onto our show, to share their experiences, share their stories, to help inspire you to become happy sellers. And my name is Neil Buyan, your host, and my job is to guide our guests through this journey alongside yourselves. If you're listening to this in your local podcast platform, please make sure that you give us a rating and a like, and leave some feedback behind if you want. And equally, if you're watching this on our YouTube channel, make sure that you subscribe, comment down below. Now, with this next guest, I found her not on LinkedIn, but I found her on TikTok. Yes, as you all know, I'm becoming more of a fan of TikTok and using it, and I'm coming across so many cool people. And I would like to say, guess, could you introduce yourself? Who are you?
1: Hi everybody, my name is Michelle Oriana.
0: Michelle, welcome to the SDR Disco Cool Show. And Michelle, where are you based in the world?
1: So I'm based in Boston, Massachusetts, specifically in Quincy. I'm about 15 minutes uh, south of the center of Boston.
0: Thank you very much. And Michelle, for our listeners and watchers out there, where do you currently work? What do you do there? And what do they do?
1: Sure, so I work at QAD. I'm a business development executive. I know we have different acronyms as SDR, BDR, BDE. So I'm a BDE at QAD. And uh, what we do is we offer cloud-based ERP and supply chain solutions. I specifically work on the supply chain side And just in short, I help supply chain and manufacturing leaders reach their destination through cloud-based solutions.
0: I love that. Thank you very much for the introduction. Um, And outside of sales, Michelle, what do you like to get up to?
1: Oh, I love the beach. I love watching the sunset. I think my dream is to live by the beach with a dog and my husband and a margarita in my hand. (laughs) That would be the best. So yeah, I definitely love going to the beach. I love going to concerts, hanging out with friends here in the Boston area, and I like to watch UFC.
0: Ooh, I love that. Uh I would highly recommend if you already haven't we've got an episode with a former UFC fighter Chris Cope. He was on the show a couple of years back, so by all means I'll I'll send you the link straight after today. Uh, uh, but a lovely pleasure to meet you and thank you. Oh yeah, hell yeah. I'll send it over no worries <laughs> on that one. Um, but thank you again for joining us on this show. And what we like to do at this point, Michelle, is we like to visit your LinkedIn profile to get a bit of a scope as to where have you been, where have you come from? Uh, and as a general reminder for all of our guests, uh, listeners and subscribers, if you're watching this, um, you can always check out our LinkedIn to get the links and in the show notes of Michelle's LinkedIn URL So you can connect with her, you can pick a brain, you can ask her, hey, you were on the show, what was it like? Or, hey, Michelle, I've got this question in relation to sales development, so please let us know. So now we're here on to Michelle's LinkedIn profile. So Michelle, you are a Latina in tech, which I like, um, and you've had quite a colourful career. And the other thing, before I start scrolling down on this LinkedIn profile, I also want to mention obviously where I found Michelle which was on TikTok and she puts out so many cool talks and videos and advice and she covers a lot of different subjects which you know we're going to talk about some of them today in today's show but highly highly recommend giving her a follow out there as well but Michelle coming back to uh, your LinkedIn if we kind of look at your experiences careers you've been to some cool different places and you've worked in some you know different careers as well right so you've been a sales associate, you've been in teaching, you've been an actress, you know, you've been a mentor. And, you know, in the last few months or so, you've been working in the world of tech and sales development. So as always, we're very curious to know, like, you know, where did you kind of start off? How did you get into sales and what's the story, Michelle?
1: Sure. So my sales journey started off with frustration I was not the typical BDE um, coming out from college, and this is like my first job. I'm 30 years old. I didn't. I didn't really know what I wanted, and I remember coming to a place where I did have a lot of different jobs, uh, different skills that I brought to the table, and all I knew was that I wanted a job that paid me more. I wanted mm-hmm. something remote. I wanted to feel like I made a difference, and I found tech on TikTok. So you mentioned TikTok. And just scrolling mm. through TikTok, I, I just remember feeling so frustrated because I had graduated college back in 2018, and it took me about eight years. I was a non-traditional student, a commuter. I worked various jobs that overlapped each other while I was in school paying it off. And, uh. you know, getting out of college, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I got laid off. I was working delivering groceries, which I come from an immigrant household, so I believe that any work is honest work. I didn't feel like mm. it was beneath me but I also recognized that I had this degree I wasn't using. I had these skills that I could bring to the table and I just started doing my research. I'm like, what is out there? I need to get out of doing this grocery delivery and find something that I'm passionate about and that I know Mm -hmm. I could do well. And so in scrolling through TikTok, I found tech. Everyone was talking about it. They said it was difficult to get into, but it wasn't impossible. So what I Mm -hmm. did was I opened up a LinkedIn account. Um, I had one in college. I closed it because I just didn't see the value in it. I didn't see the point. It didn't help me get a job. Mm -hmm. Um, But when I did open it, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go full force. I'm going to optimize my LinkedIn. I'm going to have that creativity that I have and put it on my LinkedIn. I'm going to start posting. I'm just going to reach out to random people. And at that time, I didn't even know what cold outreach was. But apparently, (laughs) I was already doing it. And yeah. I was just like, hey, how did you get into tech? Like, what was your process mm. like? I met many people who were like, reach out to your network. And I'm like, okay, I don't have one. And then I met others <laughs> who gave me more, you know, actionable advice of steps I could take. And then I found someone who went through the Train Yo program, which was mm. a program that helps find diverse talent and uh, sets them up in a two-month boot camp and then prepares them for a job as an SDR. And I just went for it. I got in. And then the rest is history.
0: <laughs> I love that. That is such a cool story, and there's so many things that I'd like to pick apart uh, and find out more about as well. Um, kind of starting off with this frustration thing, right? So I think with a lot of us, you know, we we're going through life. We have kind of foundations set to us by society, family, and friends as to how life should be, and then you know we start doing those things, and then. We don't get as satisfied with them and we can come to that point of frustration and wanting more, right? So with you and your frustration, like what were the thoughts that were going through your mind but then prompted you to then start searching more? Well, what was it? How are you feeling? What were you rationalizing and what was going on in the world of Michelle?
1: I think my first thought was the financial struggle and frustration, of I have this degree, but I can't even pay off my student loan minimum payments. Um, I'm struggling to pay Mm. my bills. And I think that frustration is one that will drive you to find ways and to be that hustler and Mm. find a way out of it. And so for me, it it was that primarily. It was the financial frustration of like, I should be able to pay my bills having a degree, but I can't. And it almost mm. makes you feel a little bit, I don't want to say inadequate, because maybe that's, um, or maybe, yeah, a little bit inadequate, that I I can't mm. pay my own bills. And so I wanted to find a way out to that. Like I want to do something where I can put in 40 to 50 hours a week, get a paycheck where I feel valued, and be able to live, and more. And so for me, mm. that's what tech was for me. It was like a way out of not only being able to pay the minimum, but beyond that, save up invest and do all the things that i had dreamed of
0: Mm, i love that i love and you're right you know wanting more um being financially stable and you know we we do find that a lot where earlier in our life we may take on debts and we may be chasing that nine to five and we're not even breaking even right and that's kind of where you can feel like you're in a rat race like what's the point like no matter how much i work it's just not paying things off And to your point where, you know, you you had this degree, but okay, you've got this accolade, you've got this degree and qualification, but you still got the debt and the burden that comes with it, right? So you feel that you have to overachieve on the income to not only just break even, but live your life, right? Um, And I think coming into new wealth is a great thing, and it's something we definitely want to discuss in our episode today. Um, But like, From your perspective as to where you were earning before to seeing the potential of what you could earn in tech, what did that feel like to you? Did you think it was achievable? Did it scare you? Did it intimidate you or did it motivate you? What was the thought process when you saw the figures that you could be earning?
1: I think at first I didn't believe that it could happen to me. I'm like, okay, these other people claim that they're making this salary, but is that, okay, it's real for them, but can it be real for me? I'm just not sure if I'm capable of that. And I think it was this process of me Mm. having to find that self-confidence of like, absolutely, I can make that money. I deserve that money and I will Mm. make it. And it was definitely a Mm. shock when I went into the interview and I saw what they were offering because it was double what I was making. And I'm like, there's no way that Mm. I'm going to double my salary going through this two month boot camp and bringing the skills that I already have and putting, in, of course, a little bit of extra work. Um, But just taking that leap for me was so worth it. But I think a lot of it is the confidence to know that I deserve to earn this. As long as I put in the work, mm. like no one else is better than me to to feel like they earn it and, and I don't, or that I don't deserve mm. it. So that was definitely a moment for me of like, hey, I need to change my mentality of like what I think of myself and what I think I'm worthy of. And so once I did step into that, I'm like, you know what? I can do more than this in the future. And I'm thinking about that as well, constantly. <laughs> I'm um, like, yeah, yeah I, I definitely want to continue making more.
0: I love that. I love that. I think like similar to yourself where I used to work a corporate sales job and I went into the world of startups, it did double my salary, right? But my first thought was, is this legal? <laughs> like, how the <laughs> hell does this happen? Like, there must be a catch of some sort with this and some um,
1: money laundering, you know, <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I was just like, this, this this, can't be real. But then, like, when the recruiter said to like, no, this is life, this is tech life. She already lived it for, like, 10, 15 years prior to me joining when she brought me on board. But I was just like, why is not everybody else doing this? But back then, tech wasn't as prevalent in my area, my society, my circle, my friends and stuff like that. We didn't really know about it too much, and I came across it by chance, right? Um, but when you saw those extra dollars and those extra zeros... Did you question it? And like when you were telling your, you know, your partner and everything like that as to where you could be going, what what did they say?
1: I think he was shocked. He's like, wait, they're, they're going to pay you. Are you sure? Did you double check? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> and then when I'm telling my friends, you're like, no way, you're going to make more than all of us. I'm like, do you want to join too? I mm. can like, let you know how I got in. And I think it creates that, that like Wow, what is this space? How do I? And even if they don't enter into it, it's, it creates this curiosity of like, wow, they're paying you that much. Like, what do you do all day?
0: Mm, mm. I, do you know what? Like, I, I had the same uh, thought process about my friends saying, like, hey, guys and girls, you need to get into this, right? But back then, a lot of my friends were like, nah, it's not really for mm. me. But I, I, I already do sales and I'm like, no, but you do corporate sales, it's not startup sales. They're like, nah you know, this is a steady job, nice paycheck, we've got a pension, everything's cool. And I used to get really irritated with my friends. was like, dude, like, come on, you could really earn some good cash here. But I think a lot of them saw it as uh, a fad, like a phase. It's like something that's not going to last forever. But, you know, I'm sitting here 15 years later, I'm like, still here, still happening. <laughs> <laughs> and some of my friends have joined since then, right? And I'm really happy to see that. And funny enough, even my sister, who worked for local government for like 20 odd years, she's now become an AE. And I was just like, and now we get to catch up and she's telling me, oh, so I'm doing this and I'm doing that and I'm doing cell cycles on. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Told you yourself. <so>.
0: Welcome. <laughs> this is what I've been waiting for. Yeah, ex- exactly. Um, but another thing that I'd like to ask, like before we dive into the actual tech and what life has been like, like looking at your LinkedIn profile, Michelle, you've got, like you said, a lot of experience working in other industries and fields. And the one that stands out to me is like this, this thing of being an actress, So I've had the conversation with a lot of guests where some people say sales is um, an art, some people say it's a science. I believe there's elements of both and it's not just two separate things, but from somebody with my background where I perform in music, certain skill sets from that have helped me in my sales career where I see sales as a performance in front of an audience. Performance in front of an audience, that's a bar. Um, (laughs) You know, I just wanted to know, like, have you found any of your previous career and jobs help you in your sales role? And if so, what skills would you have said you've taken from other positions and it's helping you out today?
1: Oh, absolutely. And since you mentioned theater, I think being an actress was one of the the skills that I brought that have helped me most in the SDR position besides teaching. Um, but, and it's not mm. the way that you would think. I know a lot of people think that salespeople are like putting on an act. That's not even it. For me, it's the mm. performing In front of others and before we started here you know the breathing exercises that we did um we used to do those as well ways to kind of regulate your system to not be so nervous hopping on Mm. the phone i've gotten that for my acting career because before i used to have to be on stage in front of 100 people and that's absolutely terrifying and there were times where i'd drop a line and i'd have to just pull it out of my sleeve and figure it out. I think that's helped me Mm -hmm. on calls as well. When a prospect hits you with something that you are not expecting completely from left field and you kind of just have to pick it up and figure out what you're gonna say in the moment. And so that has really helped me as well. Also knowing your ICP, oddly enough. Mm. um, When I was in acting, we used to create these character analysis sheets where let's say I was I was going to be a character i had to figure out what was this person's favorite food where Mm -hmm. did this person spend their off time um did they have an accent what is their family dynamic like and creating that character analysis helped me get into my role and so now Mm -hmm. when i came to sales i was like icp that's a character analysis sheet that i used to do when i was an actress and there were two completely different worlds that i didn't think would intertwine but they absolutely did and Not only that, but speech. Being able Mm. to take out the ums and the likes in your sentences and just sound fluid, get to the point and say what you need to say, which sometimes I still struggle with the like. I say like a lot. So I have to catch myself sometimes. (laughs) I feel like I can hear my former director in my ear, like take the likes and the ums out of your sentences. Uh, (laughs) But you forget. So that's definitely helped. And when it comes to education as well, the experience that I had there that has helped immensely because once a teacher, always a teacher and always a student. So Um, when I don't know something, I ask questions. I look for the resources and even outside of my job, I'll look for it on LinkedIn, on YouTube, on TikTok. Like I'll find resources myself to be able to continuously learn. And I've noticed Mm -hmm. that in this position, I've only been here for 10 months, but since I've been here, I've never stopped learning. And in other positions I've held, you feel like you kind of get to a point where you're like, all right, I know the job. I can kind of do this and not really need to work on my skill set anymore. But with the SDR position, it almost feels like you never become an expert. You never stop learning. It's always growing and shifting and changing, especially in the tech industry. And I think that's what makes it exciting. So definitely education and my acting career have, have both really helped me in this position.
0: I love it. And so many, like, skills that you're able to take from previous experiences and, like you said, embed it into what you're doing with sales. I love that, you know, the character analysis and creating those personas so now you know your prospects, how they act, how they work, you know, what's important to them. I freaking love that. And, you know, with the teaching side of it, like agreed. Like, me being a sales trainer, I'm having to teach... SDRs how to do certain things when I'm doing training courses, but then I actually have to teach prospects and educate them on a new way of doing something or a new process or a solution that could help with their workflow. And I'm a big geek, so I like AI, <laughs> tech, and tools. So I'm forever trying to teach people stuff like that. Uh, and you're right, you're you're forever learning, right? Always be learning um, and sharing those with you know your audience. And you know it's a performance, and you're putting out there as well. And the other thing that I wanted to ask you about was you also have the experience of being a youth mentor. What's the story there, Michelle?
1: Oh, yeah, I was a youth mentor for about 10 years, which it was something that I kind of fell into. Um, I I was the first one in my family to graduate high school, and then I went off to be the first one to graduate mm. college. And someone said, like, you know, I think you'd be really impactful as a mentor for other students like you who are first generation, um, children of immigrants that they're the first ones to graduate high school. And I was like, I don't know if I'd really be good at that. Like, what can I teach mm. somebody else? And like I said, I fell into it. And one year went by, two years went by. Next thing I know, it's been a decade since I've been mentoring other youth in my community. And that has also helped in my SDR mm-hmm. position. It's helped because when you're a mentor, you're challenged. like. Many people think that when you're a mentor, it's just you challenging the people that you're mentoring. But no, you're challenged yourself because if you're telling someone, you know, there's so much more that you're capable of, you have Mm. to like live that out as well. Like if I'm telling you that, I have to be living it, and so it it definitely challenges you to be at your best, and not enough to be an example to others. You know, if I'm telling Mm -hmm. other people that they're capable of more and that you know, to follow your dreams, and I'm not doing that. Um, it's a little hypocritical. So <laughs> definitely yeah. from my mentoring, it's it's pushed me to kind of be my best and go after the things that are extremely scary, because that's the thing that mm. I told others to do.
0: I love that. And I can agree, because I, I'm, I'm the same, like things that scare me, I need to do it so that I'm not scared of it anymore. But it's really powerful you said that, like doing the things that scare you. Why is that important to you, Michelle? And why would you tell somebody else to go do those things?
1: I think it's my, my family history of how they came here, like not knowing the language, mm. not having any connections and just making it work. I think that is terrifying. And I'm like, I, I don't want to let the sacrifices that they made down of me not reaching my full potential. And so that for me is always kind of in the back of my mind that like if my family had this big shift and this big scary move and they made it work, I can do that too and more. Mm -hmm. And so it definitely comes from that of like, I have to reach my full potential because there's people who have paved the way for me to be where I am today. I
0: love that. That's beautiful. And for those that are not aware, so I've I've seen it mentioned on your profile and you've said it recently, like you're first gen. What does that mean to the uneducated mind when you say that you're first gen? What does that mean?
1: Sure. And I know first gen means different things depending on who you ask. Uh, first generation can be first generation here in the United States. It can be first generation graduated from high school, uh, first generation graduated from college. So I think it depends on who you ask. But for me, first gen is everything. First generation here in the US, uh, first generation that graduated from high school and then college, first generation in corporate, in tech. I mean, there's so many, you can keep going down the line. So I think Mm. first generation for me is kind of um, breaking the mold into something new that no one else in my family has ever ventured into. And uh, with that comes a lot of scary moments, a lot of unknown, But it's a responsibility that I take that I'm very proud of, that I mention everywhere I go. I'm like, I'm Latina, I'm first gen, because I want people to know, like, hey, we're out here.
0: (laughs) Love it. I love that. And, um, you know, being this first gen and doing things for the first time a lot, like compared to some members of family and trying out new stuff and scary stuff, which, again, my salute to you on it, um, going through, like, trainio, learning to be a BDR, and now that you're working within tech what has life been like in these last couple of months like how are you finding things what's you know been awe-inspiring what's been really terrifying and what are the experiences of actually doing this now day-to-day for you michelle
1: yeah i think when i first started off i was very intimidated you hear the word imposter syndrome thrown around a lot on linkedin Mm. and just like for shen i think imposter syndrome means different things to different people Uh, But for me, imposter syndrome was this feeling of like, did they make a mistake? Do I belong here? And I think Mm -hmm. a part of it was just I didn't have any connections in this space. So it was um, just trying to navigate, like knowing who to go to, what questions to ask. And the great thing is I got linked up with a really great company who's super supportive. in my onboarding process and my leadership was always available with any questions that I had. So that took away a lot of that fear, that initial fear of like, I don't know who to go to when I don't know certain things. And I think that Mm -hmm. was a scary thing, especially in the onboarding process when you're learning this new technology, you hear all these acronyms that you've never heard of before. (laughs) Tech has its own acronyms. Supply chain has its own acronyms. And when you put them both together, there's so many and you feel like, my manager mentioned, it's like drinking out of a water hose. And that's definitely what it felt like. Um, But the great thing is I was trying to take it in stride and know that I don't have to know everything. And that was hard for me. Because oftentimes you feel like in order to start something new, you have to have it all figured out. And if you don't, you kind of just, all right, you know what, I'm not gonna go for it. So I had to be okay (laughs) with like, okay, it's okay not to know everything. And you know, you take it with stride, you learn little by little. And it's a process, and I think I'm still kind of mm-hmm. going through that. Even ten months into the role, I, yeah. I'm realizing that it's okay, even on the phone with a prospect, to say like, "I don't have the answer, but I will find it for you." And that's yeah. kind of scary to do that sometimes. Or when someone asks you for help, of "Hey, how'd you find your position?" and they ask you a very specific question, and you're like, "I don't have the, I don't really know the answer for that, but let's figure it out together." Yeah, um, I love that. I'm recognizing that yeah, it's okay to not know it all, even now. 10 months, a year, two years down the line. And the great thing is I've seen some, you know, great sales leaders as well on LinkedIn who they they're veterans and they even say themselves, mm. like they're learning every day. They don't have it all figured out. So, and that's like a great example for me too, that like it's, you don't have to have it all figured out.
0: 100% agree. And I think um, being honest with your prospect by saying, I don't have the answer or I don't know, they'll respect you more for it because I remember in my early days when I tried to make it up to sound like I knew what I was talking about, (laughs) they could smell the BS a mile off and i get called out on it quite a lot. So, um, but you know, like staying curious as to like how do things work, going finding the answer and then, you know, when you're asked it again next time after you've learned it, you're then able to show the expertise and then share exactly how that's done. So, you know, not having all the answers is a good thing Um and even today, like if I get asked in a coaching call or a training session, like I don't know, but I will go find out. I will do my (laughs) homework and I'll come back to you by specific said date to 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 give you the answer on that as well. And um, you know, working and and like you said, coming across like veterans on LinkedIn and connecting with them. And if I remember correctly, you did build a LinkedIn profile college, sorry, a LinkedIn profile out in college, but you didn't see the value to it, and now you're coming onto LinkedIn. Compared to the Michelle of way back when to now a Michelle using LinkedIn proactively, what experiences have you had and do you have any tips for people that are maybe not as proactive on LinkedIn or still haven't figured it out and they're trying to get into it and trying to do what you did? What advice would you give to them about LinkedIn, Michelle?
1: Oh, well, LinkedIn changed my life. This is how I even got <laughs> into tech. This is how I found the bootcamp train, you This is how I got connected to the people who told me the steps on how to figure it out. Um, If it wasn't for LinkedIn, I don't think I would even have this position. It's connected me with people that I probably would have never met in person. People from all around the world who have helped me not only find my current job, but also helped me improve in my role and in my personal life. I mean, LinkedIn is not what used to be when I you know, hopped on on college and maybe it it was becoming that. I just didn't take the time to learn it. But now that I am Mm -hmm. on it, you know, you find great advice for your career, but also just in life. And for someone who is going on for the first time, like going back to what you had mentioned about, like, not having it all figured out and asking questions, it's okay to be in that position and still post on LinkedIn. My fear when I initially started posting was I'm not an expert I'm not a coach. I don't even have the position yet. I still had a green open to work banner up. So in that time, I was Mm -hmm. kind of doubting, you know, why would anybody want to listen to what I have to share? And I was completely wrong. There were so many people in my comments who were veterans in their career field saying, we need more voices like you on this platform. We need more people who are just starting out and, you know, posting their ideas and, and their fresh thoughts of what they think and... Hearing that really gave me the momentum and the confidence to say like, hey, I do have a a voice in a space here on what I wanna Mm -hmm. share, because there's so many people either ahead of me, at the same place as me or behind me that I could impact. And Mm -hmm. I think for someone who is scared to start posting or scared to really get active on LinkedIn, I would say go for it, not just for a career change, but just for opening opportunities and meeting new people You never know what's out there. You never know how your life can be changed just meeting someone on a cold DM or in the comment section. And it did that for me. And I really do believe that the more you use the platform and the tool, uh, the more you learn, the more you grow. So highly recommend.
0: Uh, I couldn't have said it better myself. And you know what, like, um, something made me really smile today where so I'm connected to a lot of SDRs and new SDRs that are on the scene and more and more are becoming like con- content creators, right? So I'm seeing more posts, they're doing their own videos, they're doing their own best practices. And an old veteran kneel in my head smiled, thinking here's the next gen because I've been on LinkedIn for like 15, 20 odd years, right? When I first used it, it was just to connect with every lead that I spoke to when I got off a call, whether they wanted to have a meeting or they didn't. I just did that. And it's only in the last two or three years have I really focused on pushing more content. But I'm seeing new SDRs like yourself coming onto this platform, adding more content. And I know some old dogs are intimidated by it. Like, how the hell are they coming up with all this content and stuff? And I'm like, but this is them. This is what they do. And this is the next gen. And it's beautiful to be able to be here and watch it coming into fruition. And when I see people such as yourself or, you know, one guy, Andy Laws, who was on our show a few weeks back, Like, I'm just seeing him doing speaking events and, like, creating, like, playbooks and stuff like that. I'm like, yes, keep going. It makes me really happy to see that. Which, you know, coming back to yourself, like, um, just going back to screen share, um, when I found you, I found you on TikTok, right? And when I saw, you know, first gen, formerly low income, tech, finance, you know, talking about your, your journey and you talk about a lot of really cool topics, I'm like, this shit makes me happy. Right? Because you not only are you an SDR, but you're a content creator. And, you know, it's content that people are searching and trying to find information of. So as you mentioned earlier, you went onto TikTok, you went onto other platforms and you're searching about tech, you're finding out about it. And I realized, you know, with TikTok, it's outranked Google in terms of a search engine. People now come onto here to find out about stuff. And I'm doing it. And I've only been on TikTok for a year. So like when I saw you and I was like, right, she's got a lot of followers. She's got a lot of likes. She's doing a lot of content. I was like, I can learn something from this lady, right? Um, What is your views on SDRs creating content and having their own channels and, you know, posts and stuff? What are your thoughts on it? And what advice would you give to anybody saying, hey, I want to do what Michelle's doing? What what would you say to them?
1: Yeah, I think it. if this is something that is important to you and you want to build, I think creating a brand is so important. And I'm not saying it's for everybody because you know you wouldn't want to force yourself to do something that doesn't come naturally to you. But if you have a creative sure. avenue that you like to create content on your own, um, and I feel like in our role as SDR, sometimes we don't always get to do that. It's more of like a marketing thing. But if you find mm-hmm. yourself that you have this like natural knack for marketing as well, and you wanna get on a platform and talk about more than just your job, but what you're passionate about outside of your job and how that intertwines Mm -hmm. with your career, I would say go for it. I was very nervous at first to kind of get on there and share more than just what has to do with my career and what some Mm -hmm. people deem professional. Um, (laughs) But what is professional anyway? You know what I mean? I feel like the younger generation is kind of shifting what professionalism means. And so I was like, you know what? I've had my TikTok up for a while. I really kind of want to start talking about like tech or my personal finances, um, my journey becoming mm. debt free. And those are things that are kind of scary to present to others because you never know how other people are going to take it. Not everyone's going to like it. And as you mentioned mm. before, yeah. there are some other people who don't like newcomers coming on the scene and changing things. And so you have yeah. to be willing to. To receive the backlash as well of people who might not perceive your message well, even if it's something totally positive, there's always going to be someone who doesn't like you or what you have to share, what you have to say. So Mm. as long as you're willing to put up with that, which if you're an SDR, I feel like you should be okay with negative (laughs) feedback. We kind of were used to that a little bit. (laughs) So as long as you're cool with that and you want to share your voice I say go for it building a brand mm-hmm. is great I mean if I was to get laid off one day which fingers crossed I hope I don't because I really like my company um but if I was I have my LinkedIn I have my TikTok I have my network I'll be mm-hmm. okay
0: I love it you're you're 100% right and you know creating this content there is uh so I have a lot of SER saying to me like Neil, you post like how how do you start doing it how do you get into it and Where should I start? And I'm just like, well, here's the thing. Don't just repost your company's LinkedIn post and just repost it and that's it. That's not social selling. That's just regurgitating what your company's already said for their followers and company followers. I said, when I started posting, I post things that I would have found useful or I find useful or I find interesting. So sometimes it's about sales. Sometimes it's about psychology. Sometimes it's about financial intelligence. Sometimes it's about mindset. I wouldn't say it's so much like a diary or a blog, but if something intrigues my brain or I'm interested in it, I'm sharing that. And I don't do it for thousands of followers or impressions or engagements. As long as it goes to one person and it maybe changes one person's perspective throughout the whole day, then my job is done, right? And then I'm just like consistently. And yeah, you're always worried about, oh, what's the company gonna say? And hey, what's my manager gonna say if I'm start doing that? But I'm seeing it with more, you know, um, uh, I've spoken to lots of companies where they're looking for people that have a personal brand and they have a following because they know, you know, selfishly, their company will maybe get more views or looks at their product because that person works for their business. And I get it. And I was watching a TikTok the other day where a lady was saying why personal brand is important and why people want to be seen. It's because, you know, if CEO of Netflix, right, if he worked at Netflix and he built his brand, but he never really shared about him, who he was, how he's done it, or how he's gone through it, as soon as he exits that company and then he wants to go to build another company, people won't know that he was the founder of Netflix. So they don't know his story. So if he starts a new company, they're just like, oh, it's just another guy starting another company. They don't know it's that guy. But to your point, if you, fingers crossed, you don't, you get laid off your brand of what you're talking about things you're passionate about is one thing that can be taken it's like an asset of yours it's like a portfolio of your work that you can then take to your next company and people will be like oh it's that michelle that was talking about you know being the first gen going into tech and like becoming successful and becoming debt-free oh she's in this other place now she's doing this so you're right like it's, it's important to build your personal brand um, and with the old fuddy daddies that get like annoyed with it and thinking <laughs> hey what the hell are they doing coming to disrupting I'm like you got to get with the program um, and you know a thing that I did notice it was you know, post-pandemic just after the pandemic where there were a lot of annoying <laughs> okay I've got to be careful how I say this there <laughs> were a lot of people that were annoyed saying this isn't Facebook man like this is a business professional site and I'm just like yeah, but the next gen are the business professionals. They're going to be the future decision makers. They're going to be the future leaders. And this is a trend that they're following. So you either get with the program or you get left behind. And I have seen a lot of people transition and try to come into like the works of TikTok. Like, myself included, I'm a dinosaur. I'm coming into it, but um, I'm not trying to do what I talk about on LinkedIn. Like What I talk about on TikTok is stuff that I don't post on LinkedIn all the time and vice versa. It has two kind of different vibes and feels to it. Like, um, I can spit hip-hop rap bars on my TikTok, but I may not <laughs> do that on LinkedIn, you know, because it's a different audience and it's a different following. And somebody once said to me, like, don't just rehash what you do in one social post and just put it across all platforms. Have different platforms for different things and different topics, and that's how you grow your audience and brand. But um, with your, you know, with, with TikTok, how did you get into TikTok? What was the, the catalyst to get you on there, Michelle?
1: So my catalyst was the one that many people had. Um, It was the pandemic. So you mentioned that (laughs) the pandemic was a big reason why I came on TikTok. I think we were all in a place where we wanted to have that human connection. And we couldn't have it unless we lived with the people in our home. Um, And so I got on TikTok, originally thought it was an app for teenagers, which I'm not. So I was like, I don't (laughs) even know if I belong here. Like, I'm not going to post myself dancing or like a trend like that. But then the more I got on there, you know, like you mentioned, it was almost like a search engine where if you're looking for a recipe or a new, you know, cool place to hang out or an outfit that you want to put together, you'll go to TikTok, type it in the search engine, almost like Mm -hmm. Google or Pinterest or LinkedIn. And I just thought, wow, the potential here is really great to not only connect with others, but to share what I'm passionate about. Mm -hmm. Um, I really like connecting with others. I like being creative. And so I found that as like an avenue that I could use. And just like you mentioned, um, I could share things that I couldn't share on other social platforms. It's different than Instagram. It's different than Facebook, even different than LinkedIn now I'm seeing. Um, And that's what really drew me. And originally, my content was a little bit different. It was a little over the place just for my family and friends Mm -hmm. and just to kind of make them last and post, you know, stupid videos that I would probably send to them personally And then Mm -hmm. little by little, it went transitioning and shifting. And I just thought, wow, I can like build a community here of other people that are passionate about the same things I am. And it wasn't Mm -hmm. until recently I started shifting my content to talk about, you know, where I am in my life right now and what you had mentioned Mm -hmm. a little bit more about like personal finances, tech, a little bit more about me. And I found that people responded well to that because they see a person and not just yeah. you know random content that's put out there, but they get to know a little bit more about me as a person. And I think that's what draws mm-hmm. people.
0: You're very right. Um, a piece of advice given to me by a former sales student who's actually really popular on LinkedIn, like uh, TikTok, he's had like in the mills when it comes to views. And his advice was me, to he said, Neil, a lot of the time you see people on posting on LinkedIn when they do a video because they're trying to talk to a huge audience and they wanna be seen by lots of people he said but when you get onto the tiktok when you look at the camera imagine you're just talking to one person and that way the vibe you'll give off is as if you're talking to that individual and that's why people will engage with you better on tiktok i was like yeah i never thought about that <laughs> and uh the the pedantic Neil in me sometimes i do see some older veteran salespeople i'm not talking older by age but some people that have been in the industry a while and they come onto tiktok and i'm like i look at it i'm like dude this isn't a webinar This is TikTok. This is a different channel. This is a different (laughs) format. Like, don't do that shit.
1: Um, (laughs) But everybody's
0: got to try their own things. Yeah, 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 100%. But again, I'm not an expert as well. I'm just trying out my stuff. But I love seeing other content creators like you and the content you're putting out, which, you know, we can meander onto this topic now around, you know, financial management and wealth. So, you know, before we came onto the show, a topic that you said you'd like to discuss is this thing of, so you were formerly low income, now you're in a really good place. And there is that a topic you want to talk about and it's some advice you want to give out. Could you share and tell us a little bit more about that, Michelle?
1: Yeah, of course. So this is the content I share on my TikTok, which is very different than what I share on LinkedIn. Um, but this is what I'm really passionate about now. Just coming from a family that was very low income, I was never taught how to manage my finances. And then when I got this role, I doubled my income from one day to the next and I didn't know how to handle it. And even before getting the job, I kind of made a commitment to myself that I wasn't gonna spend my salary and I was gonna try to live off just my husband's salary and my salary, Mm. we were gonna take it to pay off our debt, to invest, to save. And now that I'm saying that out loud, it sounds crazy. Um, Mm. And the reason why is because we had to make so many changes um, just in our lifestyle or rather not make changes, so not buy the new car that I wanted to buy, stick yep. with my 2010 Honda Civic that I've had for a while, but it's <laughs> it's paid off, it's mine, and I'm gonna drive it till the wheels fall off. Um, budgeting, couponing, making a monthly budget, making sure that we're not living beyond our means. Yep. And that was something that was really important to me because I, I usually saw the opposite, you know, people, talk about on social media, when they start getting this money, they go and get the high rise apartment, they buy the sneakers and the jewelry, they get the brand new Tesla. And that was something Mm -hmm. that I told myself like, I don't want to fall into that trap while I still have this massive student loan debt looming over me. And while I'm not like a financial advisor, I do just share my story of how difficult it is, but also what I'm learning in the process. Yep. That, you know, you don't have to compare your lifestyle to anybody else's as long as it works for you. But I think for me, where I am right now in my life, I would much rather just get out of debt as soon as I can. And then when that's all said and done, then move on to the next step.
0: Yeah. I love that. And it, it's it's a very true thing, right? Because I think we spoke a few weeks ago about financial literacy. So... Um, there was a, a VP of sales that put out a post or a, a post on LinkedIn saying, Network, what do you think are the biggest challenges for SDRs today? And like people were saying, cold calling, connection rates, and you know, career advancement being promoted at AE. And I put in there, understanding their paycheck. And the person then said back to me, What do you mean? I said, A lot of SDRs come into this gig, they increase their wealth, and nobody is teaching them how to manage that wealth. And that VP, unnamed, said, that's not really a problem for SDRs. And I was like, no, it is. They said, no, that's pretty much a problem for anybody joining a startup. You go across all the departments, not just SDRs. And I was like, yeah, okay, I I can agree with that. But it's a prominent thing that I've seen with SDRs. So I put out a poll on my LinkedIn and asked the question, SDRs, has anybody ever taught you to understand your paycheck? And a high percentage, um, I think out of 150 recipients, Around 86 people said nobody had taught them how to read their paycheck. And again, that is a very small data sample compared to the thousands of people out there. But like, it's key. Not many people do know about this. Um, so as an SDL manager, um, I, I learned that the hard way myself. Because as soon as I got my first paycheck, I was like, whoa, I put <laughs> that much cash in the bank? I was like, okay, I'm buying some new shoes. I want to buy a new car. I want to go on holiday. I want to do... And you think of the immediate things that you want to get. But then you know other things that i've learned okay when you lose a job or you get cut you need to have that kind of a that bridge before you go into that next job and you need to have a windfall you need to have something behind you right and when i had my kid i was just like oh shit i need to invest for the future i can't just think so you know when i had shares options warrants nobody told me anything about that and you know uh, i had to speak to my dad who was an accountant so he gave me a little bit of financial literacy but again he never taught me about budgeting or anything when i was younger So, when I've met a lot of SDRs and they get their first paycheck, a question I used to ask them as a manager is: Now you're getting commission, how does that feel? Like, yeah, it feels good. I was like, wow, did I really make that? And I'm like, cool. So, what are you going to do with the money? Well, I want to go buy this. I want to do that. I want to do that. I'm like, really? I said, all right, it's cool. Go treat yourself. There's nothing wrong with that. Like, you've earned that, right? But don't forget about the long term. And they'll be like, what do you mean? And I was like. I need to give you some finance literacy 101. Uh, and Michelle, something I've never really done on this show is I've got a couple of slides that I used to share as a manager. And I was wondering, would you mind me sharing this on our episode today to share for other people out there to learn from? Would that be cool?
1: Yeah, that'd be awesome.
0: Uh-huh. So again, disclaimer for our listeners subscriber: I am me and Michelle, we are not financial advisors. <laughs> the information we're about to give you, you should go check it out by uh, an official qualified financial advisor this is just information that i found online that i used to share with uh, people that i used to work with right so this was the financial literacy 101 um and again for any listeners or watchers if anybody wants a copy of this just email me at podcast at happy selling.io and i'll be happy to sell it send it sorry for free of charge uh but they were just saying what is financial literacy so it's skills and knowledge and tools and behaviors make more informed and effective decisions and manage your financial resources right um, and it talked about financial behaviors. Do you have a budget to limit your spending? Do you have a credit card? Do you pay your entire credit bill each month? Do you pay your credit card on time? Build an emergency fund? Do you save and invest 5%, 10% of your income? Do you balance your checkbook? So, again, caveat for our European listeners majority of this information is US centric. Uh, But risky financial behaviours. Do you use a credit card or cash to get loan? Do you overspend your credit limit? I used to do a lot of this when I was younger and I didn't think it was risky. I just thought, no, everybody does it, right? Uh, Do you write a cheque without enough money? Do you have more than two credit cards? Make only the minimum monthly payments? I'm like, "Mm -hmm, mm-hmm, 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 yeah. But I didn't really know how much it was going to burn me later down the line, right? Uh, But what it was saying were the five principles of money management to earn. Understand your pay and benefits, Save and invest. Set goals and start small. You don't have to be a millionaire or a big-time investor from the beginning. Just start small. Protect. You never know if you're going to get laid off. You never know what's going to happen with the industry. Like me, you never know that you're going to have kids one day and it just happens, you know, <laughs> miraculously, and you need to start having extra cash, right? Uh, spend. Shop around. Like If you're going to borrow, think about debt in a good way sometimes can be used as leverage to help you with your financial career. Not all debt is bad debt right but like looking at your paycheck like when i used to get one of these i was like what the hell is this i was just like okay, i'm just thinking uh, i'm just thinking about right what am i going to get at the end how much i'm going to have but understanding if you're going to have anything taken out for pension if you're going to be having anything for tax like i couldn't understand tax when i first started out i was just like who is this tax guy and why is he taking so much of my money my hard earned cash i was like what the hell uh, but understanding that some of this will go towards you know my future and my retirement and things like that so, like, sit down with HR or with your finance team within your company and ask them to break these things down for you. Um, understanding what is gross pay and what is take home pay. I used to see the gross. I was like, oh, I got lots. Actually, no, I didn't <laughs> get that much because when I look at the take home, I'm like, what the hell? Taxes. Okay. Um, and, then I under- and there are so many different taxes, like federal and state tax, Social Security, Medicare, health insurance, retirement contribution. And this is an important one to understand as well, because in the UK, we have something called state pension. And it's the understanding of now that it's uh, an automatic thing that everybody gets at the age of retirement in the UK. But because of how the economy has performed in the last decade, most of us, when we reach that age, the state or government pension is not enough to live. So I've had to learn of having to create my own private pensions and put cash away for the future because... My economy and my country will not be able to support me. I need to be able to do it myself, right? Uh, like it says, it's never too early to start. People think, oh yeah, you'll be 60, you'll be 80, you'll be old. That shit will catch up with you quick. it will be there quicker than you think, right? Uh, compound interest. It's, you know, saving set amount over time, and it builds up with the interest, right? So percentage over time. Take 5% of your paycheck, starting with your first job, and invest it. Don't spend it all on those cool air jordans or that new car that you want to get um and also understand how much this is something i've done recently where um you know a few years back i lost my home lost my family lost everything and i needed to provide something for my kid but i also need to realize well how much do i need to live on when i'm older right um but yeah there's a a lot of things but like financial goals short term under a year pay off a credit card medical bill or establish emergency fund mid to one to five years pay off your car your credit card i'm still doing that shit i still got tests i'm paying off now long term like i really want to get into um uh property i want to get into real estate you know i want to invest into things that's why i'm building my company because one day i want to use this as a vehicle to invest into property now people are knowing my secrets but yeah that's kind of what i want to do that's why i do what i do it's not just to get as much money as i can because what i've learned within business is not how much you make it's how much you keep and you can keep by creating a portfolio and investing into other things which build income and passive income, right? Um, but, yeah, I would say, you know, by all means, go check on an official source online to get some financial literacy. Um, you know, Michelle, yourself, you're giving out tips. If anybody would like this, you know, free deck, send us an email. I'd be happy to send it to you. But, uh I just wanted to know, Michelle, for somebody that is into giving tips on finance and getting out debt free, how much of this sort of resonates with you?
1: Oh, so much. I mean, I wish I would have had this a couple, even last the beginning of last year before starting the position. It would have helped so much Hmm. because you almost have to navigate this world on your own and look for resources on your own. So having somebody sit down and tell you, hey, these are the baby steps These are the basics. 101 of financial literacy would really help because most people don't learn this. They have to find out on their own and sometimes they find the hard way. I know I found out the hard way and I wish I hadn't. Um, But yeah, the tips that I give are just personal ones. So like, you know, we both mentioned, we're not financial advisors, but just mentioning like what worked for us and oftentimes finding out the hard way and that way makes it easier for someone else doesn't have to find out that way.
0: I love that. I love that. I think like, again, we are. We really have to stress this. We are not financial advisors. No. I don't want anybody reaching out to us and getting us into hot water. But like my dad, uh, as an accountant, the tip that he used to give me was like, whatever you get a salary, take that total amount and divide it by 50%. He says the first 50% will be there to cover all of your bills and your commitments that you're tied to, right? And then he says you take the other 50% and then you split it again. He said 50% of that is the rainy day account. So put that money aside and use that as an emergency fund. And the remaining fifty percent on the other half, that is your disposable income. That's the stuff you can just spend on shit, going out, friends, dinners, parties, whatever like that. And that way you're not gonna live beyond your means. Because I really had to learn how not to live beyond my means. Because when you get big cash, you want to splash. But if you oh, yeah. you know run out, then you're screwed. You lose. Then you know you're gonna get into debt, and that's a, a serious problem. But um, Michelle, it's been an absolute, you know, pleasure and privilege to have you on this show. And, you know, a question that I would love to ask, I asked all of my guests is, if you could go back to that young Latina, that first gen, who was just thinking about coming into this world of tech, and you could give her three pieces of advice, what pieces of advice would you give her, Michelle?
1: First one, I think the most important one is don't doubt yourself so much. Build that confidence before you put yourself out there and really believe that you are capable because other people can believe it, but if you do not believe it for yourself, you can only go so far. So I think a lot of it starts in the mind. People think it's like, you know, the day-to-day, the actionable things. No, it's all in the mind. That's really where it starts. So if you have to start there and make that small transition first before you start a career transition, I would say that one is the most important. Number two, Don't be afraid to ask questions, even to strangers, especially if you're looking at the SDR position, you have to do the job before you get the job. And the best way to do that is to put yourself out there on LinkedIn or any other social media platform, ask questions, make connections, don't be scared to reach out to people. Most people 90% of the time are very nice and willing to help. So I would say ask questions, put yourself out there. And then the third one I would say is consistency. Be consistent in everything that you do, the work that you put forward, uh, the person that you say that you present or the person you say you are, the person you present to others. Just be consistent in that on social media platforms and your job. You know, don't be different on social media than you are when you meet somebody in person. I think it's it's important to have that, especially in sales, because prospects already think that we're like. Not all of them, but many think that we're just grimy, that we're after money. And just being you on all platforms is gonna take you very far, because people see that. People perceive that when you're being false or fake. So, you know, just be you. So yeah, confidence, ask questions, and be you. Those are my three top.
0: (laughs) I love it. Thank you very much, Michelle. And are there any kudos or shout outs that you'd like to give on today's episode?
1: Uh, oh, I wasn't expecting this one. So I don't I don't think I, I have any shout outs to give today. I mean, there's so many people I follow on LinkedIn that I could probably list off like crazy. Um, but none that come top of mind right now.
0: Okay, no worries. No worries. Well, if anything, I want to give a big shout out to you for all the work that you're doing across different platforms. I love your spirit. I love the advice that you give out i'm so happy to see you in the world of tech so a huge salute to you michelle and as a gentle reminder to our listeners subscribers and watchers uh, michelle's linkedin profile will be in the show notes alongside her tiktok channel highly recommend giving her a follow got any questions please let her know and also a gentle reminder if you're listening to this chapter of our show in your local podcast platform Please make sure that you like and give us a rating. And if you're watching this on YouTube, please make sure that you like, comment, and subscribe down below. But Michelle, an absolute privilege to have you on the show. I hope to see you again at some point in the future. But thank you so much and happy selling.
1: Thanks, Neil. It was a blast.
0: Disco call one word at Bcast, which is B-C-A-S-T dot email, and you'll be added to our mailing list. We're also on the lookout for new guests. So if you work in the world of sales development as an SDR, BDR, MDR, or ADR and feel that you have an important message or story to share, feel free to email us at podcast at happyselling.io and we'd love to have you on board.